What is up, everybody? We'll uh, we'll wait for Willie Hood to go live. Uh, we're gonna go live without Willie Hood. Sure, it's been a little bit, I know, but uh, it's Forty Man Decision Day. It's a big one. Uh, it's one of my top five days of the year, if I'm being honest. Uh, a little side note before we wait for Willie to join the live stream. If he does, uh, we're recording this at five thirty on. Uh, on deadline day on Tuesday, November 14th. Teens. Where's Willie? Where's Willie? Where's Willie? This Willie fights really to fight to 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 on my own headset. You got a earpiece there, man? Earpiece there, man? No, I don't. Uh oh. Uh oh. I can hear myself. I can hear myself. That's going to cause problems. That's going to cause problems. I might need to switch devices. Now, this is a new one, so I figured I'd give it a go. Yeah, you might, yeah, you might have to. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Lot of feedback. Well, I'll do that, and I'll be back in a few. Now, after these commercial <laughs> <areas>. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Willie will be right back. He did join us briefly, but as I said, so uh, just going to go ahead and start recording this live at about 540 on Tuesdays. This is... Guardians of the Future, I'm Justin Ladder. Willie Hood will be joining me. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite days of the year. I mean, the draft is exciting. I'm the nerd who likes, you know, the Roll 5 draft. They're, they're good days. Um, starting a little bit, li- starting live now at 540, just because I know there's some news coming. We should be um, hearing some things soon. <laughs> Guardians always love to wait till the last minute. Uh to announce this because they're out there working the phones, trying to trade somebody, trying to trade for someone's, you know, guy who didn't make the 40 man. They've done this to us the last two years. Uh, Let's see. What was it? Two years ago, we had the, the infamous Tobias Myers and junior Camonero trade that surely nobody has uh, forgotten about, right? Everyone, everyone's okay with that. Um, and then last year we had the Nolan Jones trade to Colorado for Juan Brito, which of course everyone has, uh, has gotten over as well. Hasn't been a big deal at all. Um, gosh, last year's announcements went at April 7 o'clock, I think 7.30 last year. So Willie and I recorded an episode last year uh, about this time and uh, – we, we tried to hang on until the announcements were made. We were pretty sure of who was and wasn't going to be added. And we kept waiting and waiting for the Guardians to make their decision. And then I think, I don't know, 15, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. It was not long. It was right after the Guardians made their decision last year. Uh, the trade, the Nolan Jones trade was announced. And... We didn't go back out. We didn't discuss it because we both thought, well, first of all, we thought there was no way that rumor was any had any truth to it, right? We didn't think, no, the Guardians aren't trading Nolan Jones. Who the heck's Juan Brito? Yada, yada. Not on our radar at all. Um, so we'll see. It's a little bit risky going live, <laughs> live at about 540 on, a, on deadline day because uh, you never know what the Guardians might pull. We could be, I told Willie we were going to report this, record the podcast from about 530 to 630 and see where the chips fall. And then, of course, Willie says, well, we'll probably hear news from the Guardians at about 7, which is probably accurate. You probably won't hear anything until 7. Uh, but in the meantime, we can do some speculating out as Willie, wait for Willie to join us. So Guardians do have a list of uh, a lot of guys that could be Rule 5 eligible this year, as we probably already know. If you haven't heard yet, Jonathan Rodriguez, um, he was added to the 40-man roster last week. He was set to be a minor league free agent. The Guardians didn't. So it was the very same situation as Oscar Gonzalez. He was in the same the same time frame, you know, minor league free agent, uh, needed to be added to the 40-man roster, or something had to give, or he was going to be a free agent. The Guardians elected not to with Oscar. They gave him a minor league deal with an invite to camp. Worked out good. It worked out just fine for him. Uh, at least for in the Guardians' view, because he didn't get taken, and, and that was the uh, that was the infamous. Uh, no, that, that you know they did have the Rule Five draft. That was no, they didn't have the Rule Five draft that year, so it didn't even matter. But it worked out 
okay, nobody – look, anybody could have had Gonzalez that year had they just given him a major league deal. Anybody could have had him. So it worked out. With Rodriguez, you know, they, they decided that it was worth it for him to be added to the 40-man roster before my league free agency because they obviously felt like somebody was going to pick him up in free agency had they not added him to the 40 man roster. So forget rule five with him. I think the fact they added him to the 40 man roster already to begin with suggests there was going to be interest in him in the minor league free agency. And who knows, somebody could have even given him a major league contract and an invite to spring training, obviously had they done that. So I thought Rodriguez was kind of on the fringes of the 40 man roster. I wasn't hundred percent convinced they were going to add him. But obviously that they did, like I said, suggests that there were teams out there that would have shown interest in him uh, as a free agent. So not even getting to the Rule 5 draft. So that was probably part of their decision making there. And then today, so obviously your big name is, is Daniel Spino. That's a no brainer as he recovers from shoulder surgery. The hope is he'll be back sometime let's say late spring. This is all really speculative, but let's just say late spring, early summer-ish. Um, yeah. And then you've got, you got Kate. So no, they're, they're not going to let obviously Daniel Spino rehab anywhere else. If he, if he was, uh, I mean, it goes without saying he's a first round pick. He would have been the guardians best pitching prospect or best prospect. Had he not gotten hurt, he might be the best pitching prospect in baseball. Had he not gotten hurt. So obviously Cleveland's not going to let him rehab his shoulder surgery from anyone else, uh, anywhere else. That would be an easily manipulative way for a team to get there. So the other real name outside of Rodriguez that was on the fringe is Cade Smith. I think Cade Smith is the most likely add today besides Daniel Espino. After that, I think it, it gets kind of very hazy at best. Um, gosh, I already feel like it's already okay. So it's only 545. I feel like we are going to be on here until 630 until the Guardians say anything at this point. That's just what they do. So, yeah, expect Espino, obviously. I I don't know about Smith. I think they have to, obviously. Okay. So number one, Cleveland's got to clear one spot for, for Espino. That spot is pretty easily um, Alfonso Rivas, who they picked up in the, uh, through waivers a couple weeks ago, you push him through and you figure at this point, no one's going to claim him because everybody else is busy gearing up their 40 man rosters. And they want a time to claim him too, because let's, let's face it too. If you, if you designate Rivas for assignment today, Nobody else is going to claim him and leave him unprotected next week. And maybe they will, and they won't care. But um, that's a very easy pass through at this point. It's a very easy play. And we could talk about Rivas a little bit after we get more onto Rule 5 stuff. But uh, um, yeah, I don't really want to spend time on a lot of time on Alfonso Rivas. But that's the easy spot to clear for Daniel Espino. As uh, Willie Hood jumps back in, Willie can uh, – I don't hear myself in the background now, so we've clearly upgraded over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll blame it on technical difficulties. You know, I try entering a new device into the chat, and you see what happens. That's fair. Hey, I mean, I still haven't I blame, uh, sent you your your funds I from the draft. Jared, stuff, so it's all my fault. What's that? We can blame we can blame Jared. Or you can blame me. I never sent you any rewards for your your draft content this year, so you can you can blame me too. Well, I look at you. us. We're we're back together. The games the gang is back together though. Hey, it's good to be back. We're here. Yeah. Man, I've been, it's good to I, don't, be I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> let's just say I feel like a truck driver in the first day home after a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be a while. I already I already told everybody as I we were recording this live on deadline day, it's 15 minutes to the 40-man deadline. And I said, uh, well, I, when I messaged you earlier about doing the podcast, and I said, oh, we'll do a 5.30, 6.30. And I said, okay, Last so we won't hear from the Guardians time. until – Seven, yeah, it'll be seven, seven thirty. I was, uh, I was promoting saying yesterday to, or earlier too that, you know, that we Cleveland has done this to us two years in a row. They had the Tobias Myers deal, although I feel like that came in under the buzzer that that year. Last year, the Nolan Jones Juan Brito deal that was, I don't know, we you know we recorded until I think seven o'clock or whatever it was, yeah, and that, yeah. that deal didn't get announced till 7 30 we were just waiting and trying and waiting and we're like all right we're just gonna give up because we know who they're gonna add and we didn't see that trade coming i haven't looked at the rockies 
40 man yet. I know they made their decisions already. So I can, I think I can confirm that Cleveland and Colorado aren't making a deal because they've already made their 40 man selections, but I guess never say never. There's that. So when do, when do we talk there about that? I, <laughs> I just got to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Ian, I, didn't get above high A. I, we were all over Ian Bedell uh, for reference. If nobody anybody listening doesn't know other prospects, Ian Bedell was a, I want to say second rounder in 2020, third rounder. No, I think he was third or fourth round. I can't remember. Around the eight or something pick. So that'd be about a third well, rounder. I think Willie and I were all over him that year and didn't come to pass, unfortunately, but, uh, He's available now. He hasn't been above high A, but he's available. And I I don't even know how Cleveland's gonna gonna make so uh two additions at this point. Um obviously, you know, we don't really have to spend a lot of time on the Daniel Espino thing. I've already kind of run through that a little bit, and also it's just obvious they're gonna add him. Um to me, the only other guy that, that makes sense right now is I mean Jonathan Rodriguez is already there. Kate Smith is the only thing I can only one I can think of that makes sense here. Um because, I mean, there are guys lower down, but Cade Smith obviously was AAA last year, and he could help in the bullpen next year. And as we know, bullpen arms obviously are the highest targets in, in the Rule 5 draft. So, I don't know. There, is there anybody else that I'm missing? Does Cade Smith make the most sense to you as someone that has to be announced today? Yeah, I I, uh, I was going to say tweeted. I guess it's not tweeting anymore. I posted. Um, We're still calling it tweets. It's fine. Okay. I, I don't have to be uh, Elon Musk, correct? <laughs> not on this. I mean, we are live on his platform, but uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not giving any credit there. Well, you know, when it's a stinking pile, well, never mind. It you can try took me like five minutes to get logged back in, too, by the way. Thank you, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, or X. Great. Whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I think Kate Smith makes a lot of sense to be rostered uh Espino is a no-brainer, so I won't spend time there. Kate Smith makes a lot of sense. I think 75% chance that Smith is added. I think you're looking at a middle relief type arm. Maybe you can do some low setup work too eventually. Um, outside of him, I'm going to say Dayan Frias, um, the, the middle infielder. I think that was with Lake County this year. I think there's mm-hmm. a small chance, uh, maybe 50-50 on him. I just like the athleticism, the versatility. Very young. I, I think it would be a Jose Tana sort of situation all over again. Not that he even has his upside. So I don't see him getting added. That's why I don't see him added. And I think he's so far off uh, for a team. They may, somebody may snatch him, but I think that that's unlikely. I think teams are looking more to fill roster spots with guys with either versatility or somebody that's a low end bullpen arm, uh, just like Kevin Kelly and Nick Enright were last year, top 10 picks. I think Kate Smith would be a top 10 pick if he's left unprotected. Um, That being said, Cleveland will potentially have a top 10 pick if they so choose to make a pick. Um, They might, you know, I I think it's a possibility uh, just because of their arm depth or lack thereof as starters. Um, But do you you block that spot long-term? Um, because you've already got one dead spot, so to speak, with Espino, who's going to be on the 60-man uh, injury list for quite some time this season. So you're blocking that spot throughout the offseason, and then you're blocking a spot. Well, he, he can go on the injured reserve, or the injured list, rather, um, when the season actually starts, and he doesn't count against that 40-man. But until then, you lose that one spot. So th- there may be some shenanigans going on, and it depends on how active Cleveland is in trades. I won't be surprised to hear a minor trade or something tonight. Um, but I will say this. Don't put a whole lot of belief into that account on, on Twitter that's throwing stuff out there with starting pitchers and stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah I mentioned the account, not my name. <laughs> it was already Twitter. I mean, Twitter X was already just a, a, a bleep show to begin with. And now that it's a mess, it's harder to decipher. But, uh, look, honestly, if it doesn't come from Zach or – I, I mean, Jeff Passan, I don't think is tweeting about minor trades on Rule 5 deadline day. But if it doesn't come from Jeff Passan, if it doesn't come from Zach or Mandy or Hoynes or whoever, just don't buy it. Just don't buy it. I'm sorry. There, there are people out there who, you know, do cover the team. But 
you know, when it comes down to it, when you see it from those accounts, you can believe it. If you don't, then I, I would I would take everything with the the highest salt content you salt content you can uh, you can handle. Your sodium level can handle. The thing I'm most curious about is because I was saying this too, and before you jump back on was okay to me because right now they're at forty. And and to go back to your point about Espino, um, yes, there's no injured list in the off season, so right now everyone is presumed quote unquote healthy. The first question you have to ask too is like, okay, he's probably not coming back until spring. Like we're talking not spring training. We're talking like, you know, May, maybe June is, is probably, they're going to be super conservative with him. Yeah, are they even, uh, are they going to try um, to open that spot up and put him on the 60? Because if you put him on the 60, they injured list, you know, you start his clock, you, you are giving him major league service time. So that's something else to consider in the future. If they're going to, you know, you're going to have that spot. Um, you know, they've been carrying a lot of young players for a couple of years as it is with spots they haven't used, like until this year, Tana and then last year, Burrito and Noel and all those guys. But the easy spot to clear for him to me is Alfonso Rivas. He claimed him quite a few weeks ago. You DFA him today to add Espino. He clears waivers because nobody's going to have room on the roster for him and no one's going to want to protect him from a rule five draft or whatever it is at this point with him. Um, but they would have to make a move to add Smith. And that's where I'm most curious what happens here because, um, you know, you're, you're already at 40, you know, there's what Michael Kelly there's James Karen you know, do you trade him? Do you, do you not? I don't think you, I don't know if you non-tender him or not. Like to me, those are the most two obvious ones, right? Who else, who else are you going to take off the 40 to, to add, Kane Smith, if it's not Kelly or Karen Shack. And then, I mean, Kelly, you could, I mean, they kind of like Kelly. They did not, they, they avoided DFAing him last season, right? A bunch of times when they probably could have to make moves. They decided to make other, other ways around and they, they hung on to him. So it, it appears they kind of like him a little bit. Do you find a trade for Karen Shack to boot him off the roster? Do you trade someone on the 40, like a Will Benson type deal? Like one of those things. Like I just don't know who, who goes if you're adding Kate Smith. That's the most. That's the hardest thing for me right now. And if there's anybody beyond Kate Smith, then it's like, okay, now we've really got to figure out how else this is going to work. Let me ask you this: Is Young Kenzie Noel, Will Benson, or Nolan Jones? No. Is Oscar Gonzalez either of those two? I mean, having Oscar Gonzalez and Jonathan Rodriguez on the same 40-man roster to me is super redundant because they're very similar players. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you're going to find a taker for Gonzalez. Maybe. Maybe you trade him for, like, peanut. He has no value. Like, he has no value. I, I mean, if you're not going to play him. I don't know which of these guys are going to play because <laughs> right field's still a mess. Center field's still a mess. This right field's a bigger mess because you actually don't know who can give you what in right field at this point. Mm-hmm. What about uh, I, I would not trade Noel yet. Like I would not, as much as I'm not super high on Noel as a lot of people, I wouldn't give up on him yet just because you need that power so badly. And he has it. Mm-hmm. Gonzalez. I would, you know, I, everybody knows my feelings on Gonzalez. I love, he's a great dude. He's hilarious. Funny dude. Uh, the SpongeBob thing is great. I just don't think he's going to hit. So, I would, if you want to clear up a spot, I'd be all fine for moving him. I don't think you're going to risk a whole lot there. You know, famous last words, but yeah, I guess there's that. You know, what happens is he ends up going somewhere else. And, you know, I think this is one of those cases where he doesn't hit, he can't hit, and uh, he is what he is. Um, I'm not going to pretend he's got this tremendous upside. I think he's a quad A masher. Um, I'm pulling no punches saying that. Um, I know there's some people who are big Oscar fans. I'm not, and I'm not a, a fan of SpongeBob. So, you know, the time for the fun to end. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, if that's the way you want to open up a spot for Smith, that's fine. Uh, whether you trade him for whatever it is that you get for him. Uh, I'm sure there's, I mean, maybe there's somebody out there. I mean, it's hard to say somebody out there is going to take anything for him. And you might get something small for him, but. It is what it is. I just don't think you need Rodriguez and Gonzalez. I was already on the fence on Rodriguez as it was, and yeah, you know, here he is. So, um, Spino and Smith are number one and two in this 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 forty man class. 
Um, you mentioned Diane Frias. I'm kind of with you. I don't see. Look, the, four, the thing with the 40 man or the rule five draft is this, like you've got to keep a guy on the roster for 90 days. I don't really know how like relief pitching is one thing. It's so easy to stash a guy in the bullpen. Like we can have a conversation about Ethan Hankins. I don't think Ethan Hankins gets protected today. And I don't, I don't really know. feel, I don't feel nervous about losing him just because I don't see how he stays on a roster for 90 days at this point, but we can talk about that in a little bit later. But like the, the thing with Diane Frias is like, how is he going to stand on any man roster? Because he hasn't been above high A. I don't know if I'm confident he can play shortstop. Like, he's, he played a great third base. He played some second. Cleveland did not prioritize him playing short last year at all when I saw him. And I like the skills a little bit there. It's There's some soft skills. I don't know if there's a lot of tools. Um, I just don't know how he survives. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this all comes down to, okay, who who do we think is going to not going to survive a 40-man dra- a Rule 5 draft? It's Espino. It's probably Smith. Like, who else in this roster to you? You're like, okay, if they don't protect this guy, he is getting taken. Like, you know, you've got uh, you've got Nick Mikulajic and Andrew Misiazic, who were probably both very close to being 40-man ads two years ago. They both got hurt last year, so. I mean, that would, help. that would help hide them. Um, I think the bullpen is the place to pick from, so to speak. So we know Karen Jack. We know, well, I'll throw out Nick Sandlin as somebody who could potentially be moved in a minor trade. Karen Chack could yeah. be traded. Um, I don't know what you think about Tim Heron. I think Tim Heron isn't as safe as some people think he is. And I think uh, Cody Morris could fit in the same thing. And you're talking guys that could be designated for assignment and you get a minor cash deal out of those type of guys. Um, nothing big. I see them as add-ons. And that's the, that's the problem with the fringe of the roster right now. There's so many fringe players that they're neither hot nor cold. Um, and they need to see whether they are or not. You know, I took a pretty hard line stance on Oscar Gonzalez daring him to to do something elsewhere, essentially. <laughs> I've done that. Um, but I think that's your next set of guys, so to speak beyond just the obvious, okay, Kelly should be a viable option to be removed from the, from the roster. Um, you already mentioned Rivas. I think you're looking at Karen Chak, possibly Sandlin out of the bullpen, Tim Heron. And, and I don't, I'm not saying this is in any particular order, but I think these are guys who aren't as solid as some think that they are. I don't think they're just going to DFA Sandlin. I think it would be a minor trade or something like that if they were to move him. Um, but are you going to bring back anything that's any better than him? And is Cade Smith better than Nick Sandlin? We don't know that. I think the upside could be. Um, but we don't know that yet, you know. Um, do you clear a, sp- a spot for that? I, I think that's the thing is the bottom 10 of the roster, so to speak, are all so similar in grade and talents that it's hard to say, well, this guy should go and this guy should be promoted over him, so to speak. Um, going with what you were saying a minute ago, I don't think Ethan Hankins needs to be protected. If I got wind of it, I would probably protect him just because I like him that much. And I think that he could potentially develop in that sort of arm. Um, but I don't think he needs protected. I think there's two that need to be protected. And really there's some other guys that might get picked, but I really don't see Cleveland with a lot of guys that are going to get, well, there'll be a lot of guys exposed. Yordis Valdez will be exposed. Uh, Ray Delgado will be exposed. Ray Delgado is one that, you know, okay, if somebody wants a player, you have a triple-A utility guy there who has a good glove, who could work on the bench, but there's not a ton of upside there. He is kind of what he is. Um, A little bit of speed, a good glove. He can play around the infield. Um, Outside of that, I don't see the point in doing that. You can fill that with a veteran guy usually unless you just want somebody cheap and you're a rebuilding team and you really like him for whatever reason. Um, you already mentioned Missy Azak or however the world you say his name. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and Mikolo Chak and both of them injured, which would make them easier to hide. Um, Mikolo Chak coming back from Tommy John might be ready. I think he had the surgery in May. So it would probably be June would be a year for him. Um, I don't know if that's 90 days throughout the end of the season there, but that would be a good way to hide a guy. And he would be interesting 
if you believe that when his velocity was down, it was because there was some sort of elbow sprain resulting in diminished velocity prior to the Tommy John surgery. And I, that tends to be the case. Usually is there some sort of elbow sprain velocity decline, and then you see Tommy John surgery in the next six months to a year. So. Yeah. I, I don't think there's enough time left to <clears throat> in his recovery to hide him on from the four, from the rule five draft. That's my thing. I mean, like you said, if someone really likes him, I could see it maybe, but at this point, I'm not concerned about protecting Mikulajek as much as I liked him a, a couple of years ago. Um, boy, I would really not. By the way, it's past six o'clock, so the deadline is passed, and this will shock nobody. But the Guardians have not announced who they're adding, which means we probably have a trade coming. Got to be honest. I, I'm yes, it does. It's only it's only it's only six oh three as we're recording this. So if you're listening to this after the fact, it's only six oh three. So um, anything can happen here. But the fact that they haven't announced anything. I'm guessing they're on the phone. They're making some sort of trade. And yeah. it probably is. I mean, the question is, is, is it a trade to open up a spot on the 40-man roster, or are they trying to pick off somebody else's uh, guys that weren't added to the 40-man? Tampa Bay already made it their ads, so I don't know if they're involved in anything or not. But Thank I wanted you. to go back to, if you, you talked about, I would not like to m- remove Heron or or Morris. I mean, the Morris thing I could see, if, if, they're, if they've lost patience with Cody Morris's health, I could see that. Mm-hmm but I don't like it because I still like the upside there. And like you said, are you trading something that gets you anything better back? Are you just looking for roster relief? I'm, I'm okay with doing it with a guy like Oscar Gonzalez, but with pitching, it's a lot different because yes, this team, like coming in the next year, you've got maybe Bieber. We don't even know if Bieber will be back. You have no idea if McKenzie's going to be healthy all year. There are some people who think they'll trade Cal Quantrill. And then you got the three rookies and you got Cantillo. Uh, those guys, it's all very iffy with rookies. I mean, I obviously mm-hmm. we love Tanner Bybee. This one time was the uh, the Tanner Bybee uh, of the future podcast or whatever you want to call it at one time. Um, th- and those guys are all great, but they're all you got all these guys coming to their second rookie year. You have Cantillo who just pitched his first fully healthy season of his since 2019. So, and obviously, you know, Cody Morris is, has never been healthy himself. So, mm-hmm. if you want to give up on him because of the health, I understand that, but. I also think that you have to consider the fact that <clears throat> Espino is going to be on your 40 man a lot next, all year next year. And he might not pitch for the most of the year or at least half the year. And how many, how many guys can you have on your 40 man roster that you're risking yeah. being hurt or unable to pitch, or they're still very new to the big leagues, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, I guess Morris doesn't really add a whole lot, but I feel like you need to at least collect the depth. And I, I still, God, Morris is going to be 27. I know that's that's old for a guy who barely has any major league innings under his belt. I don't understand why he was in the minors as long as he was last year. Either way, I would not like to give up on him. I definitely would not give up on Tim Heron. I would not move him to open a spot for Cade Smith. If like if I was forced to choose between Heron and Cade Smith, I'm choosing Tim Heron because he's a lefty, and I think the pitches are a little bit better. That's not a knock on Cade Smith. It's just that. I think Tim Heron at this at this point is just offers a little bit more. Um, but that being said, I'd like both because Tim Heron was the only guy you had last year that um, could ride the I seventy one shuttle to go, <clears throat> go down and, and um, back to Columbus when you needed to bring up a fresh arm or make a roster move. So if you add Kate Smith, that gives you a second option to do that. You have somebody else who you can move up and down. We saw they didn't have a whole lot of roster flexibility last year. They could with Michael Kelly if they keep him. Um, You know, the other one we haven't really talked about that we should have is probably Daniel De Los Santos. We know that Cleveland was very close to trading him Mm -hmm. at the deadline last year, and that trade didn't go through. But, you know, would they revisit moving De Los Santos right now to clear up a roster spot, kick the can down the road on some roster spots, and open up a spot for somebody else? I think that's something you could see today. Um, yes. <clears throat> all of the Cubs, the Cubs just made their their moves, and then so the Cub the Cubs were the team that we thought were interested in De Los Santos last last July, and they made their moves, so they didn't trade De Los Santos to the Cubs or anybody for that matter. So I'm not sure what will happen there. Um, and I, I'm with you on Hankins. Like I, here's the thing with Hankins: he didn't obviously at, the, at this point everybody knows he didn't pitch in 2020 because nobody did. He didn't pitch in 21 because of TJ. He didn't pitch in 22 because of TJ. He only pitched like half a year this year, really. Um, he's getting older. And I just don't see how a team can 
you can't really play like injured list roster manipulation with Hankins because the guy's got a pitch. He's missed so much time. He's got a pitch and he's healthy. So you can't really say, ah, well, he's hurt. We're going to run we're gonna on, the, on the IL because the guy's got a pitch. Like you cannot, he's a very hard, hard roster spot to stash. Yeah. So agreed. I don't, that's why I just don't see him being protected and, or because he's not likely to get drafted. And if somebody did draft him, I would just expect that he'll wind up back with Cleveland. Like Luis Oviedo did year, a, a year later. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I'm saying here, this whole rule five thing is it's who, who is not going to survive before the rule five draft. And to me, the only obvious names are, are, I guess, well, as I said at the top of the show before you joined, I said the reason they added Rodriguez to the 40-man roster was he was going to be a minor league free agent. But also yeah. that to me suggests that um, they thought that somebody was going to be interested in him in free agency, not just in the Rule 5 draft, that they might have just plucked him in free agency from them. So they didn't even run a risk that, which I guess is a good thing that's interest in him. But yeah, there's just nobody else out here. Like I know Brian Lavastida is, is on the list and – you know, I just Nick don't Ken see right that. there again. Yeah. Not not with Fry and Bethancourt both brought in recently. Um, yeah. I want to hop back to Daniel Espino there for a second. I think the average time of recovery for that injury is 14 to 17 months. 17 months usually leads to the best outcome. Uh, I think Julio Urias or whatever his name is from the Dodgers, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a similar surgery. And I think it was an 18-month procedure for him or 18-month recovery, rather, from that procedure for him. Um, That's sort of the timetable I would look at Espino, meaning Espino wouldn't be back until July or August of next year. Uh, So that's a dead roster spot, essentially, until he is on the injured list. Um, That really comes into play here. And that's why I think maybe there are some fringe arms that – that um, could be impacted by this. I think Nick Sandlin could be one of them. I already said that I, I mentioned Cody Morris, and that's why I mentioned Tim Heron. But these are also guys that can go one, two innings too. Um, guys that can give you a little bit longer of an outing. So there is some value there for Cleveland. Um, you know, not hearing the any news yet. Like you said, I think that there's possibility of a trade. Probably a minor trade. I don't expect anything big. I say that, and there's going to be a big blockbuster now. I'm just daring it to happen by saying that. Um, I don't know that there's anybody else um, that I would move off of the roster. I wouldn't move David Fry. I think he's perfect in his role. He has options. You can send him up and down. Um, the, The two most obvious are Rivas and Kelly to me. And to me, Kelly's an easy replacement. He's an older guy, too. Um, it's but just he's got options. remember this, like it's, it's hard, it's hard to move guys with options, right? Cause you right. need those guys you can send up and down and exactly. And that's where I was getting ready to go with this is Cody Morris. Cody Morris has options, but he's been injured three, four consecutive years in a row. I think it is. And that's why I could see them moving on from him or even potentially dealing him or tagging him into a deal. Um, that's why I think he is one of the ones that, could lose his roster spot. You know, I did mention Tim Heron. He's an older developing lefty. I think he's 27 now. Um, Heron's and, old, yeah, Heron is 27. Wow, he's the same age as Cody Morris. I was talking about Cody yeah. Morris being old for how injured he is, but Cody Morris, I feel like, has been in the system forever. So Cody Morris got drafted in 2018. Tim Heron, same year. They've been around the same amount of time. That's crazy. I would have, I would have guessed that Morris has been here just a lot longer. Yeah, and, and Heron was a longer developmental path for him. He really worked. We saw a lot of the video online of him. So I'm not dogging him. I, I I think he's probably safe because he's the next lefty in the bullpen because you only have Sam Hentges. Probably safe, but he's somebody who I perceive to have a little bit of value if you felt like, hey, this is all he's going to be. He's a, a quad A arm. Then maybe you move off of him. Um like I said, the roster is tight, the last 10 spots of the roster. And that's actually a good thing that Cleveland has this depth. I would rather Cleveland has this depth than be like the Washington Nationals a year or two ago. And they only rostered, I think it was 29 guys. I mean, that's a massive void of minor league talent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
On the other end of the spectrum, the Orioles didn't add anybody to the 40-man roster because none of their prospects are eligible for the, the Rule 5 draft. They have and, one. And they uh, didn't, well, they didn't, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't add him. They didn't add him. But they a lot of their top prospects are already in the majors, and a lot of their top 30 guys are not eligible. I guess Haskin yeah. is. I don't know. You could say he is or isn't a top 30 guy. but He's, uh, he's, a, top, he's a top 30 prospect. He's number 17 over at MLB.com an outfielder from Tulane, somebody I liked a few years ago, somebody I'd keep an eye on, uh, somebody um, getting Not drafted. Not for Cleveland because he strikes out too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't saying for Cleveland, but somebody who I think could potentially get drafted in the Rule 5. They're, yeah. they're looking to upgrade, and they've got a ton of outfield depth. So for them, it makes sense to risk losing him. I think he was like a fourth or fifth round pick for them a, a few years ago. I can't remember. How about the Royals? The Royals just added, uh, no surprise, they added Will Klein and Tyler Gentry. Gentry had a good year. They just designated Josh Stamon for assignment. So Stamon to me is very similar to James Karinchak, although yeah. like, so they just designated him for assignment. Nobody had interest in him. I'm sure they tried to float his name on there and try to move him for something. Um, I don't know. I, I would be more inclined to move. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on... I'm with you on Morris. Like I'd hate to move him, but I'm, you're, what you're saying makes sense on Morris. I just, like I said before, the idea that this team needs as many arms as it can get because you've got so many young arms. Yep. You're talking about trading guys and you've got injuries and not that more, like I said, not that Morris provides any reliability himself, but the more you have, the more chances you have for someone to help out. And I think Morris can help, but you're right. If I, if I was forced to choose between Morris and, and adding Smith, or I'm sorry, if you had to move Morris or Heron to add Smith, I would probably move Morris because I agree. Heron makes a lot more sense to me. Yep. Um, and I, I think there's a lot more upside there. I, I, I would be fine moving on from Kelly, but my thinking here is that Cleveland sort of tried to avoid taking him off the roster in September to make other moves. Um, they just kept on – they kept him on the roster all year. And mm-hmm. – they used him a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that'll change. But based there's, on that, based on the handle, I would not be surprised if he stays. Yeah, and there's value in guys that you can drop later. <laughs> kind of like, uh, like Rivas. Rivas. Exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. There's value there. He provides depth. He's likely to go through waivers and make it to AAA and just provide depth for the organization. Um, I love that everybody got upset over that claim, by the way. And I'm like, why? Why? Nobody should be getting upset over Alfonso Rivas. Like this guy is going to play first base outfield for Columbus. He's going to collect 500 bats in Columbus, and it'll be fine. Like if if something happened where Rivas played had any major league games this year, either the guy found the best steroids ever, or a a massive meteor hit some part of the team and. Um, it was like a COVID situation again or something. So I, I don't expect Rivas to have any impact next year. Um, and like you said, it's just easier to, to pass him through. So what waivers. you're saying is half of the team gets hit with a um, general manager's meetings type of dilemma. <laughs> and then Alfonso Rivas, for some reason, is batting fourth on like June 5th. Yeah. Yeah. That would make me lose my mind. Just like uh, I don't know, watching watching Cole Calhoun hit lead off in September, or hitting cleanup. It was just a mess. God, never, never again. Nothing against Cole Calhoun. Just, just never again. I love that it's six fifteen, and there's still like at we're this point, everybody's anything. everybody else's moves are in at this point. Like we're not going to hear anything. Process of elimination. There's got to be another team or two out there that hasn't done anything yet. I think. Um, uh. The Giants got theirs. The Dodgers are usually late. Colorado's in. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go through the whole list. That's wild. Um, but of course, this is happening. The Guardians can never do it right on the dot. Like we we are going to record. I said we'd do five thirty to six thirty. It's it's six it's six fifteen. I, Justin, I'm good to yeah seven thirty. <laughs> well, my wife's at a, at a union meeting right now, so she's not home yet so but if, if i'm still podcasting when she gets home she might be a little crazy we'll see um not that she's crazy but uh if, if that's how long this goes i'm gonna be crazy to be honest with you um confirmed it's gonna yeah. happen yeah well you know we haven't talked about that 
I think people will ask questions about. And I think it's, it's funny that we would get questions about this or anybody would even suggest it is Tanner Burns. Tanner Burns is uh, rule five eligible, obviously Cleveland's 2020 first round pick, uh, or I should comp pick. He was not behind Carson Tucker, but um, no, no need to add him. Like the only thing I can think of there is that some team who liked him in the draft in 2020 sees, okay, former first rounder SEC Mm -hmm. success, uh, we liked him in 2020. Let's take a shot. And and I wouldn't fault I wouldn't fault them for that. I would you know if somebody said we liked him in 2020, we think there's something we can do here. Because I, I'm gonna be honest here, Burns ended up in, last year in the bullpen. He finished the year in the bullpen. Not a great sign for where things are going for him. Um, and he's never really been able to recapture that velocity he had in college. Like he was up to 96 at Auburn, right? And 97, yeah. He was 90-93 all season last year, even out of the bullpen, and his walk rate was about 4 or 5, if I remember right. Um, that's fringe average type of command last year that he showed. Stuff has really backed up on him. Um, he might have a future as a bullpen arm just because there's enough stuff there. I don't see it as a Rule 5 draft pick. Um, like you said, if somebody thinks, hey, we can get him healthy, we maybe we can find a tick or two of velocity – but he's a short right-hander. Short right-handers usually get dinged or they usually get pushed toward the bullpen. Um, but when you lose velocity like that, that's a difference maker for him. So there's, it's still good stuff. If his command comes back and he gets a tick or two back, you know, he might be an interesting bullpen arm. But I don't think, you know, I think at one point in time we said he could flash three or even number two. Um, he was looking like a very solid four or five prospect. And now we're talking probably middle reliever. And this happens all the time. Oh, with you know, we, we've got some news. There's no trades, but finally, holy crap. So Kate Smith selected on the 40 man roster. Daniel Spino selected to the 40 man roster. No surprise there. Designated for assignment, Michael Kelly and Cal Quantrill. Hmm. Cal Quantrill designated for assignment. So what that does is it forces them to make a move before Friday. And that's exactly what I was going to say could happen with Karen Track. I thought they would do that with Karen Track and then possibly, you know, try to do, you know, a a small deal to get him. But that moves Quantrill out for sure tells me that they're probably I lost you there Willie I was just saying that tells me that they think that they are uh, probably close with the deal on him they can move him before tendering him a contract I think it's on Friday is that right the deadline day um yeah I think that's close I, I just didn't see that you're right so this makes it more likely for a Cal Quantrill trade yes That's that's a I just didn't see that coming. Like I we you know we talked about that being a possibility, but I didn't think it would be based on this. And by the way, if you're watching on uh on YouTube, I we just got a comment from Richard on here, and anybody else who's might be watching on YouTube, uh feel free to leave any comments. If you if you want to hit us on Twitter too with any questions, uh feel free as we'll we'll wrap this up now that we have announcements. But Richard said, uh, what is the likelihood Lavastita selected in rule five? I don't know. I I don't really Catchers are kind of easy to hide, I suppose. If there's a team that really needs catching depth, I could see it. I'd say it's 50 50. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm kind of blown away that they did this, but. I I actually thought it would be Karen Chak because I think Friday is the deadline day, but they did the exact opposite of what I thought um, with Cal. I, I thought they'd push the envelope with Karen Chak, just go ahead and DFA him and then just move him for 100K or whatever. Um, it does kick the can down the road on some position players though. And, you know, now Cleveland has shown their hand, so to speak. Ponchel is moving. He's going to move somewhere. They weren't willing to spend near 7 million on him. I think MLB trade rumors had him projected at 6.9. So yeah, they kicked six, the can six, 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 yeah. they, they pushed this down the road. What do they have? Is it seven days or 10 days to move him now? It's, it's 10 days. You have 10 days to trade, or release him, or he can accept the assignment, which he will. He doesn't have to sec- accept the assignment. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, this probably how I mean how much of this also was money related too, because 
you know, like you said, he was projected to make 6.6. So you're going to, so either way, Cal Quantrill is not going to be on this team next year. This, this impacts what you do with Shane Bieber, right? Not that this is, it, this is supposed to be a 40 man. It, it, it does. And to me, it, it signs. Well, I mean, it, it all affects the 40 man. I'm both took the time to meet with Shane Bieber tells me that he's in the plans for next season. I was actually writing something. If I can get it finished, I'll try to get it up this week about Cal Quantrill. <laughs> um, Cause I was, I was actually going, why Cal, why now is what I was thinking with the piece I was working on and why it made sense to move him instead of Shane Bieber and, and the Stephen Boyd or vote. However you say his last name, I can't. My brain can't process yeah. that. <laughs> um, anyways, I kind of came to the conclusion in there that Cal was likely gone and they were going to hold on to Shane Bieber. If you, you look at what Jordan Montgomery brought back and Jack Flaherty brought back at the trade deadline last year with a half a season of control, I can see if Shane Bieber is healthy. Uh, potentially flipping him at the deadline next year or just keeping him and letting him play out his contract and giving him that qualifying offer at the end of next season. You have the highest upside with him and more likely that he logs more innings than Cal. A Cal averaged, I think, around 120 innings over the last three years. I think it was 123 innings over the last three years. Um, so that's a good fourth or fifth starter for a lot of teams. A lot of teams looking for starting pitching. I won't be surprised if Cleveland does get a prospect. You're not going to get an Aaron Savali type of deal out of this. You lose some no. leverage by designating him for assignment. You, you show your hand. Um, I've, I said this, maybe you trade Karen Tech for a guy, another guy in a similar position. Well, maybe you do this with Cal Quantrill now. You get another guy that's in a very similar position um, that was likely to get designated or close to being designated, but that but wasn't. Yeah, I. So the fact they even that they DFA Quantrill, like you said, I mean, they'll probably likely they'll find. I don't know. Maybe they won't find a trade for him now because maybe nobody wants to pay him six point six million next year. Somebody, if somebody goes out and um, trades for him, you know, they gotta they gotta tender him a contract and they gotta potentially go to arbitration with him. And let's not forget, he's also a super two guy, so he's mm-hmm. good. He gets four years of arbitration. Um, so you know. It wouldn't shock me too if nobody trades for him because then they don't have to settle with him before arbitration or go there. You could just sign him as a free agent for nothing, and you don't have to come anywhere near the six million mark with him. Um, you can lowball him, and I expect a lot of lowballing this offseason from from a lot of yeah. teams in free agency anyway because of the TV deal yeah. issue. So um, it's not a fantastic I, class. Um, just to not. Just to piggyback on what you're saying, I think that's going to happen a lot. A lot of teams are going to pinch pennies, and I think some of the free agents aren't going to get what they think that they are. I think your top of the class will, and then your other mid-tiered guys won't unless somebody just gets crazy. Um, I don't know. $6.6 million, maybe he settles for $6 million or just a million – I'm sorry, $6 million and a quarter, something like that. Um, but when you look for the price, look at the price of year to year, number five starters, you're paying between five and 10 million anyways. I think somebody paid like 10 million for Wade Miley a year ago. Uh, I think Kyle Gibson got 10 million. Uh, when you start looking at that quality of pitcher, I think Cal's probably in that range. I, I looked up some other guys and I can't remember who all it mentioned, but one of the comps on baseball reference was Aaron Savali. Um, like I said, Cal doesn't have Aaron Savali value. He's not hot, although he did pitch well the last five games of the season. So I do think there's value here with Cal. I think the two years of control and the fact that it's year to year is a valuable asset for a team. Um, the fact that I think he can pitch as a four or a five for a lot of teams still too, and probably log 120, 140 innings if he's good. Um, he needs to be in a fly ball ballpark though. I will say that a big outfield, spacious. Um, he gets in the right situation, and he may look better than what he is. But I won't be surprised if he's traded for a prospect, maybe two. 
I think Cleveland will get some sort of deal done. I, I don't think it's um, I don't think they're going to miss out a whole lot in his real value. I, going back to Shane Bieber, I don't think he gets traded at this point. And I think this just verifies that unless Cleveland makes a move to get more starting pitching. Um, I don't see him signing free agents. That's not something they've done. No. More likely to make a trade. No, I, I, Cleveland has not added a, a pitcher outside of a trade from another organization since the, the Clevenger trade when they got Cal Quantrill. Everybody else has been homegrown, unless you want to count, you know. De Los Santos was a waiver claim. Um, well, I, I, I meant starters, yeah. But, like, De La, yeah. you know, you had, you had Daniel Norris this year and you had Tuki Toussaint, which were minor league deals, but whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, I'd like to forget about that, too. I'd like to forget about Daniel Norris, especially. Jesus, that was too much. So, yeah, this this really suggests, though, they, they shopped Cal Quantrill. They tried to find a trade for him, and, and nothing happened. So they DFA'd him um, rather than pay him the $6.6 million, which, you know, it does make some sense. And that's that's just why I wonder if they if, no, if nobody wanted to trade for him now, I don't know that, in you know, over the next 10 days you're going to get much of a trade for him anyway because then anybody can go and sign him for nothing and, they don't have to come close to that $6 million arb figure he's at and go to arb for you. I mean, he still has our arbitration ahead of him, no matter what, no matter who does what, but I, yeah, I just don't, I don't see the value out there. Cause if they couldn't get a trade from now also, you know, Kelly, Michael Kelly was DFA and I kept saying, well, maybe they'll keep him. Cause they, they tried like hell to hold on him all year for some mm-hmm. reason. And then Alfonso Rivas doesn't get well, DFA. Like we said, Oh, that's the easy thing right there. So Alfonso Rivas survives in the 40 man roster. I would, I mean, I'm guessing the Cal Quantrill thing had as much to do with money as it did performance because, yeah, you know, teams are tightening the belt because the TV deals, um, the TV money. But God, Alfonso Rivas survived this. Like, <laughs> do you remember what never I said earlier? Surprise us. Every year, they never fail to surprise us. There is value in a guy that you can drop later in the season for somebody else. There is value there. Um. Not right, a lot this is the right time to this is the right time to to, to drop him because yes I he agree get, he is not going to get claimed today but right now now but, they have an extra spot to play with because they can dump him later yes that's a that's an essentially a spot that they can move at a later point I think they force the issue here uh, Cal was either happening today or Friday and this just so happens it's going to play out before Friday now. We'll have a trade. I, I think we'll have a trade before Friday, Cal. Um, you're not getting Kyle I back. I see, I don't see anybody picking off. I just don't. Not in the trade. I mean, somebody will sign him, but I, mean, I, I just don't see anybody doing anything. Yeah, when you have Wade Miley getting ten million and Kyle Gibson, I think got five or ten million too. Um, I think somebody will pay. It's just what's the price that they're willing to pay for him. Um, I don't think the Mets are hurting. And if there's any truth or rumor whatsoever that the Mets were interested in him, something gets done there. Maybe this is, like I said, maybe this is something where they felt like, you know what, we're close to a deal. We're going to designate him for assignment. And we know that we can get something worked out. Um, It definitely shows he's not back no matter what at this point, though. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. So you're right. The we, We did see some, I don't know. I don't want to say rumors, but we did see some talk that um, that people were connecting him to the Mets. Why not the him first? Uh, I know they want to move money. I said, why not the Padres? I know that they want to move money, but they are also missing, I think, 800 innings of starting pitching. Um, they are. They're going to have to come up. I can't see them paying Cal Quantrill six million. I and I know I know you're saying like okay, Wade Miley got ten and other guys got five, but um, this is before we knew the the Padres were having money issues. This is before the TV yeah. deal started. Money started to pop, so that changes things. The fact that TV money is starting to uh, the bubble on that is starting to pop. Teams are not going. Teams might not be willing to pay ten million for Wade Miley or six million for Cal Quantrill. The, the only thing the I, I, I can think of, you're absolutely right. The market's adjusting, and that's what you're really saying. Um, but I think somebody will buy. I think Cleveland will end up making a trade. I'll just say they'll make a trade. I don't think it's a big deal for Cleveland. I think that they no. get like a 40 prospect back or something like that. But somebody that might be able to help, and they're likely to be in low A or something like that. 
Yeah, if you were going to get something of, of significance for Cal at this point, it would have happened today and not and yeah. you wouldn't have DFA'd him. The only thing I can think of is that, like, let, let's just say, for instance, the Mets are interested in Cal Quantrill. Um, by DFA him today, you do put a deadline on when you have to deal him, right? Like, you have you have to start the clock on, on moving him no matter what you do, whether it's, you know, a trade or whatever you end up doing for him. So you put a clock on it, and everybody else knows there's a there's that clock on it. Mm-hmm. So if they wanted to trade for him, now is the time. And maybe maybe you give yourself a little bit of you're showing your hand a little and seeing if anybody will bite. You know, now if the Mets were interested, maybe now they know there might be a little bit of competition. So maybe you recoup some value that way. But this yeah. might be this might be a harebrained idea. Like this may not be any legitimate. It might have any legitimacy at all. Um, I, I'm going to, so you're saying you think there'll be a deal. I'm going to say there's not. I'm going to say that there's going to be no deal because I think a team would rather just negotiate him with him openly and say, here's $3 million. You weren't good last year. You were hurt. And we're not paying $6 million for you. We're not going to arbitration with you. Um, and we're not giving up anything of value to Cleveland to do this because we can get you for free in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Unless, like you said, unless the, unless the Mets or somebody out there is like, all right, we'd like to get him before somebody else yeah. gets him for nothing. So may, yeah, maybe I mean, there's some, that there, but it, like you said, if anything, it's going to be peanuts. Uh, agreed. I, I think it drops the prospect return value. Um, I still think you can get like a 35 or 40 type of prospect, somebody that maybe has some value, but is further off. That's the way I would go. Just go ahead and clear the spot. Um, as I said, it shows their hand. They save a little bit of money here. They're still on the books for Gene Segura uh, for $10 million too. There's that, or maybe I should say Josh Bell, because it's essentially what it was for. There's $10 million to Josh Bell that's on the books for next year. Um, they just cleared six and a half million dollars. Um, there is some uncertainty with the TV deal. I'm not buying Cleveland spending a lot of money in free agency this year. I know we think it was Jason Lloyd already threw out that they're not going to be active, that they're going to be more active in the trade front. Interesting that they've kept the young bats and shuffled around a couple of pitchers too, um, especially after moving off of a couple of young bats. But you know what? These guys have to have somewhere to play. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? You know, what do you do there? Um you know, I, I mentioned Gonzalez. What about Jan Kensi Noel and, and Jonathan Rodriguez? All of them can't play right field. They're not going to play center. You have Will Brennan. Some of them can't Ramon play right field to begin with. Really. <laughs> Some of them should not be playing right field to begin with. Let's let's be honest about that, too. Uh, agreed. Just because somebody can play right field doesn't mean they should play right field. I'll put that in. Nick Castellanos does not belong in the outfield. He should be a designated hitter. <laughs> Some guys I, should only hit. I, I um, can wear I can wear biker shorts, but I shouldn't. <laughs> nobody wants to see that. Just like nobody wants to see Jack Kenzie Noel in right field, or they shouldn't see Oscar Gonzalez in right field either. To be honest, you know. So I'll, I'll never look at muffins. I'll never look at muffins again. The same, Justin. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> there are things you can do, but that doesn't mean you should do them. That that's the whole problem with our society right now is a lot of people who are doing things never stop to consider just because they can doesn't mean they should. So maybe that's yes, a good place to have this discussion today. <laughs> Before we ruin everyone's appetite watching this uh or listening to this at this point. But uh yeah, that's kind of kind of a stunner. I mean, okay, so we knew Espino and and Smith ends up getting added. Smith to me reminds me a lot of Trevor Stefan in a lot of ways. So um, that's why I think he made a lot of sense because somebody else yeah. could have grabbed Smith and, and turned him into their Trevor Stefan. And uh, this team's going to need some new blood in the bullpen. I, I'd be interested to see if Michael Kelly passes through waivers at this point. Uh, the thing is, if he passes through waivers, he just rule five eligible. So we'll see what happens there. Um don't don't count out James Karinchak getting booted off the forty uh, at some point this offseason. I think we know Alfonso Rivas will at some point, and don't you know don't 
don't count on them keeping both Gonzalez and Rodriguez on the 40. Cause like you said, they're not going to do anything in free agency. I'd be surprised if they do a whole lot in free agency. That's, that's not me having any insider knowledge. That's just, okay. They didn't want to pay Cal Quantrill $6 million. So I don't know. I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves on that one a little bit, I guess, but uh, so the 40 man's still full though. So they're not going to make a, they're not going to make a selection in the rule five draft either. Not in the major league portion. Not necessarily too true because you have the non-tender candidates. Um, Karen Jack, Who's left in that? Uh, Ramon uh, Laureano. I would. Um, so I, would the, I mean, like if you non-tender both of them, you, you save money. You save million, six million. If you non-tender both of them. Um, I mean, that's moving. Shane Bieber would save money, but at this point, I don't think that happens. I think there's a possibility, but I think they have to bring back pitching in any sort of trade. And, and Cleveland's not going to get bowled over unless somebody just loses their mind or loses out. Uh, Cleveland's not going to get bowled over with an offer for him, I don't think. Not the value, not with what they value him. Um, and not, not for – well, I'll, I'll – say it this way i don't see them moving him in the, in the middle of the season after the way things worked out last year too uh with aaron Savali and how the team responded to that i don't think shane bieber will be del tank um i don't think they'll risk that now being the offseason or never and he plays out his contract they offer a qualifying offer and get the draft pick which was Perfectly fine by me because I don't think you get that sort of value back um, in a trade. And what I mean when I say that to trade somebody like that, are you going to get that sort of performance um, for the prospects that you would get for him if you turned around and traded those same prospects back for for another pitcher? Would you get that sort of performance? Not likely if Shane Bieber pitches what he's up to and you end up getting a draft pick. That draft pick would wash one of those prospects, so to speak, anyways. So the best outcome right now to me would be being on the roster and for him to pitch well. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if if you get into the season, and, and now that you move Cal Quantrill, you've, you've made it harder to trade Shane Bieber, depending on what you can get back for him and how you can even um, give yourself some rotation depth. It's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. I mean, I know Cal was hurt a lot last year, but geez, like, yeah, I guess it's six million. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm just curious to see what what else Cleveland does now because Ramon Laureano has a kind of a high arb number for a guy who's a fourth outfielder. Can you afford to pay him and Miles Straw? Like, I'd rather pay Laureano than Miles Straw, but we kind of know how, how that would work because of how much money they owe Miles Straw versus Laureano. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see what they what they do there. Um, the Beaver thing, yeah, you trade him. If you trade him, are you going to get something better back than what you get in a comp pick at the end of the year? Probably not. Um, it might be equal at best if you're lucky, but also if you're in it, if you're if you're in it, you're pitching. It means he's probably pitching well if you're in the race and you don't want to trade him anyway. And if you're out of it, he might be hurt again yes. because he's been hurt two out of the last three years, and you're screwed anyway. Or um, or if yep. you're out of it and he is healthy, you can you can try to move him, or you can assume that. Like you said, the 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 comp pick will be just as good as any trade offer. So we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be interesting. Um, congratulations. I mean, I, I'd say more congratulations are in order for, for Kate Smith. Not that Daniel Espino hasn't earned this too, but Daniel Espino was a bonus baby. Let's be honest. He was a first-round pick and got a ton of money in that draft. I did, I did read something interesting a few weeks ago that – um, first mm-hmm. round picks don't get all that money up front, by the way, that it takes a while for them to get all that bonus money. I never knew that before. So whenever you see a guy getting like, whatever it is, a four or $5 million bonus in the first round, they're not get that, that check isn't coming in the mail. Like two days later after you sign, like it takes, I've heard it takes years for them to collect all that money. Cause there's certain contingencies and all that. So, um, you know, Daniel Espino, what, what was his bonus for 4 million, 3 million? What do they give Daniel Espino? I think we've lost lost you, Willie. I can't hear you. Um, so whatever whatever they gave us, Spino, I don't know. It was but, two and a half. How much? 
well, you're, you're kind of on a delay over there, Willie, but uh, Kate Smith is, was an undrafted free agent in 2020 out of Hawaii. And um, this is a big deal for Kate Smith. Cause now he's on the 40, 40 man roster. Two and a half. Play that so, okay. It's two, two and a half for Espino. So he doesn't get all that money up front, but he'll have it eventually. And now he's in the 40. So the paychecks get bigger. But for Cade Smith, this is a big deal. He was, like I said, an undrafted free agent in 2020 in a year where he probably would have gotten drafted if the draft wasn't shortened to five rounds. Uh, he gets the AAA. Now he's on the 40-man roster. So this changes his paycheck significantly. That's a big deal for him, for him, and he's now one step closer to his dream, as is Daniel Espino. But Smith is a little bit closer based on health right now and how far he's mm-hmm. gotten. Um, this is a game changer for, for Smith in life and always a big deal for those guys. For that, for a guy like him too, for an undrafted free agent to get this far, um, so good for him, good for the Smith family. They're good people. I've talked to them a number of times, and very glad he got added. He was, like I said, he was going to be added, or he was going to be taking the Rule Five draft. So it didn't matter. He was, uh, he was uh, in a good spot either way. Any any final thoughts, Will? I think we've gone long enough since the Guardians didn't make us wait till seven o'clock this year. No, um, just thankful for the opportunity to join you again, Justin. I look forward to the next time. Yeah, who knows when that'll be? We'll see if we can bring uh, Willie out of his semi-retirement again this offseason and do some fun prospect stuff. Maybe after the Rule Five draft, we'll see what happens. I don't think uh, I don't think Cleveland ends up making a selection in the Rule Five draft, which is fine. Still a fun day, and I'll be, we'll be curious to see who Cleveland loses in the Rule 5 draft. I assume there'll be somebody. Um, you never know, and we'll probably talk about the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft as well because that's always fun, and we're always nerdy. So mm-hmm. congrats to Espino. Congrats to Smith and their and their families on the next step, and uh, congrats to Willie for uh, – congrats to me for Willie agreeing to come back on the pot out of retirement. So really it's, it's a celebratory day for me too. <laughs> Well, thank you for tolerating me and for all those that listen. <laughs> yes, thank you, everybody who left comments. We had a, a pretty good pretty good viewership this year for uh, a year with a lot, of, not a lot of news until the Cal Quantrill thing job. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, for all the comments. And uh, I assume we'll be back with a podcast after the Rule 5 draft, which is uh, one, two, three, about three weeks away. So uh, maybe we'll get one in before then. We'll see. If not, we'll, uh, we'll catch you right before Christmas. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.